you are listening to My City, My Health, the podcast. Welcome to the My City, My Health podcast. Today I'm your host, Caroline Carlson, and I'm a student at the University of Iowa studying health and human physiology on the health studies track. My class and I are supporting the My City, My Health conference in Iowa City that brings together University of Iowa and the Iowa City Corridor community on April 28th to discuss health equity programs and collaborations. Registration is open at mycitymyhealth.com. Today, I get to interview Dr. Candace Briggs and highlight her work with healthcare and health equity. Let's get started. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what health equity means to you. Yeah, um, so just a little bit about myself. I am a certified school psychologist and a mental health consultant. Um, I originally am from California, Los Angeles area, um, but I am a graduate at the University of Iowa for the school psych program there and also an adjunct professor um, in the school psych and counseling psych program teaching multicultural counseling. Um, I would have been in the field of mental health for quite some time and I just feel like what equity in healthcare really means to me, and this is something that I feel I had to just experience on my own, in my own healthcare journey, but it really means like fair, um, just uh, ways that you can access healthcare. And it's it's an approach that I feel like should be open to everybody, no matter, you you know, SES or no matter your race, ethnicity, gender. I just feel when we think about healthcare equity, we're really thinking about is this a system that is easily accessible to everyone? And do we make it so that the resources and services are you know, knowledgeable to the population? And I feel like that's kind of, we'll talk about that probably later, but just kind of some of the challenges when you think about healthcare. Yeah, I think that's really important. I know in all my classes, we talk a lot about access to healthcare and how big of a problem it is for a lot of people and especially in underserved populations. So I think that's really important, especially for mental health. What do you do in your everyday work that promotes health equity? So um, I currently am the mental health law enforcement liaison. I work with community crisis and I work with the Iowa City Police Department. And one of the things that we really try to do, especially in this position, is really respond to mental health, immediate mental health supports. And and we also really touch on like a lot of our clients who are either um, transient or um, may not have uh, health care or medical care. And so um, we don't want to obviously disregard those clients because they're still a part of our community. And so I feel like my job has really been able to provide that access and kind of like fill in some of the gaps where you know, sometimes it's hard in fearing a mental health crisis um, to even get immediate care. Even, you know, in Iowa City, we have the University of Iowa um, hospitals and clinics, which is awesome. Um, but even then, it can be overwhelming to try to get, um, you know, patients in to be seen and then long term, high level care. And so my job is really just to provide um, immediate support, crisis intervention, um, also be a helpful hand in providing resources for some of our clients who might be struggling with housing, um, struggling with financial. Um, 
concerns. And of course, trying to connect them with uh, community resources for free mental health clinics and um, other therapeutic groups that they can get involved in. Um, in my outside of my mental health liaison work, I'm a mental health consultant. And so I do a lot of wellness workshops for the community, um, which I hope to be doing this uh, summer and this spring. Um, and most of my wellness workshops are focused on self-care. Um, I also do yoga. So um, certified, soon to be certified yoga instructor. And so offering um, ways that the community can get involved, whether it's physical health, um, just knowledgeable about how to take care of themselves. And most of my programs have been offered for free, um, as well as, you know, for youth, I should say that too. Um, even doing therapeutic groups for adolescents has been something that I've been really passionate about and really looking at adolescents in underserved populations, like you mentioned before, in the Cedar Rapids and Iowa City area. So um, again, those are programs that, I did over the summer with um, some of the students at the university, and we literally did a six-week therapeutic program. Very awesome. Again, free of charge. And I say that free of charge because I think it was important to offer something that wasn't um, tied to any insurances. It was just something that they could easily access and be a part of if they wanted to. I think it's important, especially I work at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, so I see a lot of people who come in for mental health um, and it's hard to see that there's not enough beds open or yeah. there's not enough even physicians to be able to see them. So, and it could be so critical. So I think it's really important and it's really awesome that you can provide immediate care for them because it is so important and like vital. Um, I also think, especially in college, your mental health can go definitely up and yes. down yes <laughs> depending yes. on the week and depending on exams and self-care self-care is something even I do like yoga or me and my roommates just hang out one night um so I think that's really cool that you do self-care and promote it because yeah. I think it's something that is pretty easy for everyone to do and can definitely boost your mood very quickly yeah you just brought up something that I always think about with college students because I think that sometimes that's a underserved population and we think about like their mental health you're you're in school you're doing the thing but how are you you know managing your self-care right and so I'm glad that you like said that because it makes me feel like was I thinking about that when I was in college I don't think I was thinking about my self-care like that mm -hmm. in college and it's really you know we're in a space now where I'm glad we're trying to normalize you know yes. thinking about your own mental health so that's mm -hmm. awesome yeah a lot of times especially being a senior, it's extremely stressful because I'm going to like the real world soon. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the stress gets pretty high a lot of times. And so I always remind myself to just take a breath and go day by day and take care of myself before anyone else. So that's something that helps Absolutely. me personally. I've learned you have a passion for using art, music, and body movements as tools mm -hmm. for creative expression and emotional healing. You kind of mentioned this earlier. Um, tell me more about this. And do you see a lot of improvement in the mental health of those in underserved populations by using this technique? Yeah, I, you know what? And I always say this because I, I just recently met somebody who's an art therapist. Um, and I think we are moving in a way of looking at how do we touch our mental health and how do we heal ourselves and whether it's spiritually, mentally or physically um, and not just with 
medication or therapy because, and those are great tools. I think those are helpful, but I have found that also there's some people who aren't able to verbally express themselves. Right. Um, and sometimes music helps, right. Or sometimes physical movement. And I think physical movement is dance for me. Um, is of course, um, yoga and what I have done, um, especially in my therapeutic groups, we have gave opportunities for students to really just express themselves, whether it's through art. Um, we've done like canvas painting, pore painting. And sometimes that's really just a great way for kids and adults, because I do it with adults too, but just to freely um, just put their thoughts or feelings out there using colors, using textures. Um, you'd be surprised how many uh thoughts and things that come about. We usually start it with like a guided affirmation as well and meditation to kind of get us in that space. And so I feel like it's been helpful for me to really tap into how other people um, really can express themselves and talk about maybe some of the things that are maybe bothering them, especially kids with trauma or even adults with trauma. Um, I'm also certified in like yoga uh, we call it try. So it's like um, really looking at trauma recovery yoga. And that's another way to, again, you don't have to talk, but we're moving our bodies in ways that really is targeting maybe, um, you know, feelings in the heart, feelings in the back, feeling all the different feelings that can come within your body. And I have seen at least just in my short experience with practice that I've seen a lot of more rapport building, better relationships when it comes to a lot of our youth and our staff that I've worked with, um, and as well as just their own identity and how they feel about themselves. You know, the self-concept, I feel like we don't always think about like how music can be so healing, um, the lyrics in the music. Um, I remember my girls group, they made a whole playlist of just songs that were inspirational to them and that they felt connected them. And even that moment, having, you know, a music playlist connects them to each other. And again, a reminder of like self-care um, and just self-love. So I, I feel like, you know, music and uh, as well as art are things that are really becoming more popular, especially in our school districts. I think we're trying to really look at how do we do mental health in a way that's accessible to everybody. And it's not so traditionally like you're yeah. sitting in the, you know, the office on the couch and telling me your deep, dark secrets. Um, but you're able to dance it. You're able to, you know, paint it. You're able to sing it. You're able to, you know, write a poem about whatever. And also, I'm really big about connecting with each other. And so a lot of the activities or things that I like to promote is community, because I feel like we heal in community and in isolation. It's very hard for us to um, really think about our own mental health if we're not still connected to each other in some yeah. way. So I totally agree. When you're in that setting where you're both in the chairs and it's only verbally and you just start talking about what you're feeling. I feel like that can be intimidating, especially for mm. adolescents. It could be hard for them to sit down and talk. So I feel like music and dance mm. is something that they can enjoy while also getting their feelings out. Absolutely. I read that you have a song that you've written and recorded called Vibrate Higher. Um, what yes. was your idea behind it? And how has that had a positive impact on the patients that have listened to it? Yeah, so 
honestly, 2020 was the times, y'all. I think I think everybody was just, it was like you had to go within because by default, um, I was living in California at the time. So it was like a lot of things were locked down. We had a lot of, and I felt like we were just in a space of like, you know, isolation and just very hard to connect. And um, I wrote that song in 2020 at a time where, and honestly, that song has been very healing, I think, years later. Um, and I didn't release it until May of 2021, which was a uh, mental health awareness month. And I did that purposely. Um, but Vibrate Higher was really written because um, I was actually going through a difficult time, even though I was, I think people don't understand, even though you might like have the job or doing the things, you yes. can still have feelings of, yes. you know, just struggles, right? And I thought about, you know, what could I do in this moment? And I actually wrote that song for myself. It was a song to really inspire me to get out of that space. And I think people probably can relate that you might have these negative thoughts you might have these self-doubts you have, you know, and then maybe things are not happening the way you thought it was going to happen. And so it's just very hard to stay positive. It's very hard to kind of be uplifted. And so the song was like an encouragement to like vibrate higher. And so in the beginning, I'm kind of starting off with like, have you ever been in a space where you feel like, you know, everything is just upside down, there's nowhere to turn. And then um, your thoughts are racing. And then Toward the end, I am then giving the affirmation. So it's it's a point of like raising your vibration to give you um, affirmations, to remember who you are, to remember how powerful you are, to remember that you can overcome these challenges too, because you did it before, you know? And it was really a, a feel-good song that I use a lot of times, especially when I'm doing um, our yoga or guided meditation. A lot of people really like to listen to that song and even, you know, say those affirmations out loud to kind of remind them that, yes, all is well. And this too, if you're going through a dark time, this too shall pass. So I really, really, um, it was one of my first songs I've ever written. I got, it, you, people would be surprised, like, you know, did you always want to do music and stuff? And I, honestly, I did. But I'm not a singer. I just want to tell people yeah. I'm an affirmation okay. artist. So I am I'm talking. And the person who actually is the background singing, like doing the background, um, he was actually an American Idol finalist. And he's no way. like Rocky Peter. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. And we actually just wrote the song the day of. I was in there. He was playing his guitar music. And the lyrics came. And then we just... I just wrote them down and we recorded and then did a music video um, later because of course I just like to be creative with stuff like that. And so I was like, this would be cool just to put my own space and thought of like, what was I feeling in that moment? And um, if anybody have saw the video, it's, it's a really good video of just, you know, being in California um, yeah. on, the, on the pier. Um, and that was one of my favorite spaces to kind of, you know, relax and relief. But yeah, Vibrate Higher is one thing that I'm very proud of. I don't promote it as much and I need to. So I'm I glad you to. asked about that. I really am glad you asked yeah. about that. Good. Yeah, you definitely need to promote that. I feel like I didn't really know about affirmations until like, I'd say like this year. And I've noticed mm -hmm. a lot of parents are doing it with their kids. Like when they're getting ready in the morning in the mirror, 
they'll say an affirmation and have their kid repeat it, which I think is super beneficial. So you start them off strong, young, and then they can keep those affirmations going the rest of their life. Yeah. I think that's something that can really improve mental health, especially in children. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you said children because, and don't worry, I just started within the last couple of years realizing how powerful our words are in affirmation. And so even on like my wall before I wake up in the morning, I have affirmations that I have to read every day as a reminder. Mm -hmm. Yes. With over 14 years of experience in the field of mental health, what gaps have you seen in health equity and what is your vision to keep improving health equity? I mean, the biggest gaps uh, is really, you know, because I had to do the sigh. Oh, gosh, you know, but I've seen a lot of like we talked about it earlier. Right. There's there's just not a lot of access when it comes to um, providers and then high level care long term. I want to say that yes. because I think there we've got rid of so many and I don't know if the state of Iowa in particular you know a lot of people are very worried because of the mental health needs and how our government and system is really not like giving us a lot of funding toward that. Um, a lot of the, the rehabilitative services that I remember and this is me thinking like over 10 or 12 years ago, um, some of those are not existing and we're not replacing them. And so even though we have like, for example, my new role is awesome. They didn't have law enforcement liaisons with, you know, many years ago that was focused on crisis intervention. But the gap then is we get them into these, you know, immediate help, but then there's no long-term care for them. So then there's a cycle of them kind of repeating, having, especially my clients who, you know, really have, you know, maybe schizophrenia or any like severe acute, you know, mental illnesses that you really need time to keep, you know, stabilization and treatment. And um, if you don't have, you know, private insurance or really good money, you know, you're not going to get that appropriate long-term care. And unfortunately, again, it just becomes, we're a Band-Aid, <laughs> but we're not fixing the the larger issue. And for youth, it's even worse, I have to say, because, you know, um, there's not a lot of like cer- certain youth who are maybe in out-of-home care, like foster care um, or residential treatment group homes. There's not a lot that is really therapeutic and can also address the trauma, the mental health and keep them, you know, long term. So those are the gaps where I'm like, how do we get, you know, I don't know, who do I need to write to? Who do we need to, you know, how do we get the advocacy there and and grant funding? Because facilities are needed um, just to make sure. And it's, I know back in years ago, they, you know, tore down all the mental health facilities because they were horrible. But I always say, if we could fix the infrastructure and not necessarily just tear things down and just like, oh, throw away with it, but let's change the system, right? Get qualified professional uh, mental health professionals who are equipped to be able to provide the treatment. Um, And then also structuring that whole foundation of what skills we're teaching our, our patients, our clients, so that they can be more independent and they can take care of themselves and their, their healthcare needs. Right. So it's, it's, to me sounds like, 
the biggest issue I'm seeing, at least right now, I mean, there's lots, but uh, it's, we've, we've been having some struggles with keeping our clients like long-term care of like success in the outcomes of that. We usually can see like within a week, they might be, or even a couple of days, you know, released from a space, but then there's nothing followed yeah. through that can uh-huh. keep them, you know, in a good space. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the price of what it takes to be able to just to talk to someone, I think that is a major, major issue. Um, we I've had issues in my own life with it. And I feel like you should be, if you need mental health support, I feel like it, it should be very, very accessible, especially right. how detrimental it can be on someone's life. So I think that's extremely important. And I like how you mentioned the foster care aspect yeah. of it. Um, yeah. My mom works in the foster care setting and she's always said the kids have already been through so much trauma and right. this big change in their life on seeing their parents going back to their foster home. It can take such a toll on them and there is really no one to just stop and ask if they're okay or ask, what do you need from me? So that's something that I appreciate that you highlighted because I feel like that gets overlooked a lot, um, yeah. especially with those kids like battling all these changes in their life. And exactly. they have all these people like coming into their homes and taking them place to place. And they're probably extremely confused and there's mm-hmm. no one to just hit pause and say like, are you okay? So I thought that right. was important. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that our, that's our vulnerable population. And even, even in our shelters and cares of facilities, it's very difficult to watch because I know some of our kids who really do need, more intensive support, mm-hmm. they don't get it. Yeah, I totally agree. So after everything we just talked about, what do you hope to accomplish at the My City, My Health conference on April 28th? Well, you know what? I've never been to a conference like this. And so I'm very excited that this is something that is really focused on something I'm passionate about. I think my hope is really to connect with a lot more like-minded individuals, um, collaborate and possibly think of other ways we could work together. Honestly, that's my goal is like sharing, you know, what I do, my experiences, and then really kind of getting ideas and ways that we can work together to address some of these um, barriers that we're seeing. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, I see the panel has a lot yes. of great, talented people, and I'm I'm really yes. excited to connect with them and hear, you know, about maybe some of the things that they're doing or strategies that they feel will be effective. And, you know, now I keep saying I'm very excited to be a part of um, community crisis services and working with um, law enforcement, Iowa City Police Department. And so even in that aspect, just hearing what community, people in the community have to say, but even our, you know, other professionals in, of healthcare in the community of what they feel is needed and how we can hopefully just think yeah. of a plan of how we can work together. Yeah. I'm excited because the panelists come from all different aspects of healthcare. So it'll be mm-hmm. cool to see it all come together and come up with ideas on how to improve the health of the community of Iowa City and see yeah. what we can do to make a change. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't think we always have platforms like that where we're all from different parts and, and that makes it even better because sometimes I think we're just so far away 
from each other and different aspects. We're all having similar goals, but just hearing how we can all like kind of put our brains together to make this work. So I totally agree. I totally agree. What is the biggest thing you would like listeners to take away from our conversation today? I think the biggest thing I would like to take it or listeners to take is really just always prioritizing self-care. And I say radical self-care in the sense of making sure that you do something every day that brings you joy, that makes you feel good. Um, and making sure that you have a sense of community. I feel like this uh, you know, conference is one way that you can get connected with the community, but just, you know, my thought is prioritize self-care. Yes. And making sure your community and okay, and I do have some affirmations. Look, I wanted oh, yes. to share Let's this. hear it. Yes. I wanted to do these are minds that I do um for myself and I was like, I'm gonna share this with everybody. And if you're able to um you know, come up with your own, I would say do it regularly. It's it's one of the ways that I feel um I kind of dedicate to myself and and give myself that warm love. Um, okay, so my affirmations say today is full of love and opportunity. First one is I will let go of how I expect the day to go and relax into what unfolds. Take the pressure off people. I follow through on my commitments to myself. The next one is everything I'm looking for is already within me. And then the last one I always read is my dreams and needs matter. I work to create boundaries that reflect that. And that's just my reminder to myself that even in the work that we do, know we are givers of love, but making sure we give to ourselves too. That is so awesome. I think it's important Mm -hmm. for everyone to, especially an easy way for self-care is to wake up every day and do one thing for yourself. So those affirmations are a perfect example. So listeners... You should write one of those down and do it right when you wake up every day because it'll help you out. Absolutely. And lastly, how can people connect with you and your work? Great. So I, I do need to get a website, but right now you can definitely connect with me through email um, at drcandice.briggs. So it's dr.candyce dot b-r-i-g-g-s at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Glam3. That's D-R-G-L-A-M-3. And I respond there. Um, like I'm on TikTok, I'm on all the things. But <laughs> um, I, I am very much open to supporting those. I provide emotional support services. I do consultations um, for schools, organizations, even parents, families. Um, I do a lot of different wellness talks. So if anybody just wants to connect or just needs support or resources, um, I'm definitely here to help. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Candace Briggs, for your time today. I know I learned so much about your work in the mental health field as you've advocated for local community organizations and nonprofits in the Iowa City area that serve underserved populations to help normalize and increase the number of Black and culturally diverse families seeking mental health services. I'm really excited to follow your work and see what we can do at the My City, My Health conference on April 28th to come together and improve health equity for all. Thank you listeners for joining us today. Check out more My City, My Health panelists on the My City, My Health website. Thank you. Thank you.